0: It's like a vending machine that's full of $100 bills that cost $20 to use. How many times are you going to want to use that vending machine? It's not about the $20. It's about the $80 that you get in profit.
1: Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome back, everybody, to
2: Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse, and today, my guest is Joseph Wilkins. Joseph, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Matt? I am doing fantastic. I actually did my first social media throwdown live video show today, so I'm still a bit hyped. I still got my crazy shirt on. I'm ready to go. Cool. <laughs> so I want to read your bio so people have a good idea who you are. Let's do it. You know, we're kind of recording this a little bit late at night, and uh, at least for me, where I am anyway, but I was like, man, I I was thinking like, maybe I should reschedule this because it's like after my kid's soccer game and stuff. But I was like, I want to talk to Joseph Wilkins because I listened to you on some other podcasts and I was like, (laughs) I don't want to miss this opportunity. So here we go, folks. Joseph Wilkins founded Pro Creative Studios in 2000, where his team produced infomercials, TV spots, web sales, videos. Joseph directed thousands of videos for clients, including Google, LinkedIn, McDonald's, Goldman Sachs, Chevrolet, and Home Depot. As viewing habits shifted away from the television, Joseph launched FunnySalesVideos.com where his team creates attention-grabbing, viral-style sales videos that entertain viewers into action. With two decades of experience, hundreds of millions of views, and over $50 million in tracked sales. Joseph enjoys sharing eight simple steps any business can follow to drive a media online sales on his podcast, How to Make a Video Go Viral. So, Joseph, we're going to get into the eight steps in a minute, but I wanted to give us a little bit of background about how you got into making funny videos. <laughs>
0: So I'll keep it fairly brief. It's obviously a long story, but I, I went to school and studied graphic design, and my first job out of college was as a graphic designer in a marketing department for a very large company. And they basically, one day in a meeting and you know, I'm dating myself here but this was back in the days when they were just starting to use streaming video in businesses. And uh, the boss turned to the team and said, "Hey, who wants to learn to do video? We need to do some videos." And everyone looked at the graphic designer. And off I went to a bunch of courses. And, and that's really how I started. And then for a few years, I did freelance on the side. And then all of a sudden, I connected with a friend of mine that was working at Little Giant Ladders and said, hey, we're, we're producing an infomercial and we need some help. There was two production companies that were already signed up, and I came in as the smaller of the three production companies, but we basically produced an infomercial that within a pretty short amount of time did over $200 million in sales. And immediately I said, holy cow, I'm doing the wrong thing. I need to get into this. And so I almost immediately went home, told my wife I was quitting my job. And I started uh, ProCreative, which, as you mentioned, did almost nothing else other than TV commercials, infomercials, and some traditional, what I call boring sales videos for the web. And we did very, very well for about 15 years. But as you know, I'm, I'm sure you don't watch TV the same way you did 15 years ago. You certainly don't sit and channel surf like you used to. And that's how we would get you. So the client started saying our sales numbers are dropping and dropping and dropping because people aren't watching TV the same way. We need to figure out how to get back to the days where we were making millions and millions of dollars because there was hundreds of millions of people watching. And so, you know, we, we decided we'd seen a lot of the videos like those that the Harmon brothers produce. I'm sure you're familiar, you know, Squatty Party, Poopery, Purple Mattress, Fiber Fix, Chat Books. And, and And it's kind of funny, Matt, because up until that point when people would call up and say, hey, we want to do something funny. We want to make a funny viral video. We would say, sorry, we don't do that. Because the worst thing that you can do is make something that's really not funny that's trying to be. you got to do it right or not at all or you'll look silly and you'll sink your brand. And so we decided that if we were going to stay in business, we needed to do something different. And so I spent a lot of time searching for some really talented writers. I knew we could produce it. That's the easy part the writing and the getting the right actors that's the critical stuff
2: so you're not you're not the funny guy yourself
0: <laughs> i i don't write jokes myself i do i think i have a good sense of humor and i think i can tell the difference between, and we can get into this later, but the difference between a good joke and a bad joke. And so I kind of curate all of my writers, but no, I am not your funny guy. So this podcast, a lot of people may have tuned in thinking this was going to be a good time, it's, it's not. But it will be educational and it will help you make money if you use what we talk about. So to give you a compare and contrast. So we launched funny sales videos about four or five years ago And to give you a compare and contrast, after 15 years of creating videos, many of which did go to the web, our biggest video we ever did maybe hit the 100 million, sorry, 100,000 view mark. And that was with a company that already had a very big network of, of customers. Compare that to our very first video that we did using the principles that we'll talk about today within between three different videos the same campaign we did 7 million views. Oh crap. Fast forward to today where, you know, that was our first stab at it. Fast forward to today where we've learned quite a bit more than we knew then. Our our biggest campaign that we we launched recently between two videos now have I'm not sure whether it's almost or just over 70 million views, 70 million. Now, views for the sake of views means it doesn't mean much at all. Other than brand awareness, what we really specialize in is in driving sales. So, you know, that client has well over $5 million in trackable sales. It's probably a lot more than that.
2: And now, which, can you tell us which client, which video that was?
0: Yeah, go to funnysalesvideos.com and it's the laundry detergent company True Earth. Fantastic product, fantastic mission, doing a, a lot of good in the world as well as, you know, making a product, but that that's the campaign.
2: So let me tell you this. Why, I mentioned that, that it's, it's nighttime where I am and I had to take my daughter to soccer earlier. I said, I got to go interview somebody on my podcast. I said, who are you interviewing? I said, I'm interviewing this guy that makes sales, like funny sales videos. And he did this one. I went and watched it again, just kind of as a reminder. And it was amazing. I think I'm like, I, I think I want to buy this thing. And they're <laughs> like, what is it? I said, oh, it's this, this like flat strips of laundry detergent, like almost that look like dryer sheets. And they're like, oh, I've seen that video.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yep. I get that a lot.
2: And I'm in Nova Scotia, like rural Nova <laughs> Scotia. I mean, we're not like in the middle of the United States or something here, right? So
0: Yeah, well, I mean, with 70 million views and, and pretty much all of those targeted in the U.S. and Canada, I think maybe some in Australia and England, but m- lion share in U.S. and Canada. With, with 70 million views, you know, the average person on the street, you're going to stop 10 people and most of them will have seen it.
2: Yeah, I think there's only like 38 million people in Canada.
0: <laughs> well, you got to add, add the U.S. to that.
2: That's right. Well, wow, there's 400 million there. But So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off in the middle of it, but I thought that was interesting that they immediately knew what I was talking about.
0: So, a lot of people say, well, okay, that's great for a product that everyone already uses, laundry detergent. You just showing a better mousetrap, which is definitely what True Earth is, can this be used for other kinds of businesses? Well, we have, again, go to salesvideos.com. One of our most successful campaigns was done by a one-man band, single guy. I think his wife works with him. They sell a pain-relieving device, kind of like a massager that helps uh, relieve stress, headaches, tension, headaches, lower back pain, jaw pain. They're selling a product for $500, to cold traffic. And this guy has doubled his sales year over year since launching this campaign. So you don't have to be a Fortune 500 company to benefit from this. You don't even have to be a consumer company. We have B2B clients, B2C clients, C-suite, you know, SaaS type products. We have a home loan company. I know you're in, you, you talk a lot, with realtors. We have a home loan company that has really just, I, I'm not sure the exact numbers, but has skyrocketed the number of leads that they have generated because of one of my favorite videos. We, uh, we we shot a video, I don't know if you've seen the one with the full-scale replica DeLorean time machine. We basically showed this lady in the worst possible kitchen wishing she had you know, a better kitchen. And then she gets in a time machine and goes forward in time and sees what beautiful kitchen she could have if only she calls Renify Home Loans, which is our client. So it's for everyone, this kind of marketing. It's all about being disruptive, being different than your competitors, stopping that scroll when they're on Facebook or YouTube or Snapchat, but not just entertaining for entertainment's sake, but being relevant with a problem that you you know your customer has, and then solving that in an entertaining way that will keep their attention.
2: Right. And, you know, it's a very time thing to talk about here right now, because the president of Instagram just last week has said that Instagram is not a photo sharing app anymore. It is now an entertainment platform. And that distinction is important,
0: yeah, now you you probably know more about this than I do, but I recently heard that Instagram lifted their two minute limit on ads. Did you hear that?
2: so yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's up to i think it's fifteen now, but we'll have to i mean, I haven't tested it yet
0: yeah i think I think you're right. Because because up until now, what we would do and we still do it, but we would create a video and most of our videos are three or four minutes long. You know, they're they're very, very long in comparison with what the Facebook and the, the, the Snapchat and Instagram tell you to do. But we test shorter versions compared to longer versions and the longer versions always wipe the floor with the shorter versions. But up until now, we could only run a two minute ad on Instagram. But now that limit has been lifted. I'm really interested to see how much more money our clients will spend on Instagram because of that.
2: And the interesting thing about having, I mean, they're not longer videos in the sense of, you know, like watching a TV show or something. But they're longer than most people say, oh, well, the 30 second one is going to win every time. But it doesn't test that way.
0: No. And, And I always say people don't stop watching a video because it's long. Netflix has proven that. They'll watch anything that's engaging, entertaining, and in our world, relevant and has a solution that they then keep watching even after they realize it's an ad. See, our goal is to trick you for the first 10, 30 seconds into thinking you're watching a sketch comedy piece. But it's so engaging that once we've got our hooks into you, you'll keep watching even when you realize it's an ad because we've driven home a problem that you have. And you'd rather solve it in an entertaining way with a company that you like because we make you smile and laugh than have to go out and research something else. So that's really where we see our ads just, you know, doubling, tripling return on ad spend compared to your traditional stale, boring type ads that I used to produce. <laughs>
2: right. I say it all the time. It can never be too long. It could only be too boring.
0: Yep, absolutely.
2: You know, so I, was, I see these surveys and polls and crap on LinkedIn is so much polls, but pull every every 10 posts. But everybody pulls how long of posts do you like to read on Instagram? And everybody says as short as possible. But when I test it, I find that people read the longer posts that I write, especially if the topic is relevant to their business. And I hit the character limit every time, like every day. I have to go back and edit that thing down every single day when I write something. But I get more views than I've ever had, right?
0: You must be a good writer.
2: Well, I mean, I hope so because I've written a few <laughs> books at this point. But I mean, I got some practice. But I don't I, I don't want to talk about you know myself or anything. I'm just, as an example, you don't have to have this two second like clip universe that you live in on social media, there's more attention there for the taking. And and with that, I think we should probably get into what are the eight steps to crafting
0: funny videos. Sure. So I always like to pull back the curtain and reveal the dirty secret before I go into those, because most people think when they see these funny viral style videos that have, you know, tens of millions of views, like some of the campaigns that we have, they immediately think, oh, that just went viral organically, And nothing could be further from the truth. It doesn't matter who it is or how funny it is. These platforms, and and again, you probably know more about this than I do. These platforms are so sophisticated that their algorithms will spot the difference between a paid ad and a cat video or a celebrity video. Those can still go organically viral. But the minute that you're trying to sell a product, those platforms want to get a piece of the action. And so they treat it differently if it's an ad compared to just a funny random cat video or or whatever. So anytime you see a a video that has a sale or a product that's being sold that has millions of views, you can bet that that is a paid ad. And 90 to 95% of those views came from paid ads, Now, before you turn off this podcast and say, oh, a viral video, that's not for me because I don't have a huge budget. What we pretty much always see is that if you're currently doing anything on social media where you're paying to be shown in the – you know whether it's a paid video, a static ad, a text post, when you do what I'm about to explain to you and you can do it yourself every single one of these steps – or you can hire professional companies like mine to do it. When you follow these steps, almost every time we see double, triple returns compared to the types of ads that everyone else is doing. And that's what it's all about. It's, I kind of tell it's like a vending machine that's full of $100 bills that cost $20 to use. How many times are you going to want to use that vending machine? It's not about the $20. It's about the $80 that you get in profit. And if you can repeatably do that, that's even better than a quote-unquote organically viral video because you can neither control that, repeat that, or count on that to make your payroll. But you can count on a repeatable process, and that's what paid ads will bring you if you create the right kind of creative.
2: Right. And you know, what's interesting is if somebody shares your ad, you don't pay for it after it's shared. But like you said, it's not going to get as much reach and as much love as 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 an organic post would get. However, the more that your ads get commented on, shared, engaged with, the more time somebody watches them, they rewind to watch it again. All of these engagement factors, the cheaper it is to run the ad. Yes. And it's not just like a percentage, like a small amount cheaper. It's exponentially cheaper. Right. I actually, technically, I think it's logarithmically for you math nerds out there. But, you know, we've seen ads that we've run where the cost to reach a thousand people, you know, started at six or seven dollars and we were able to get it down to under a buck, you know. So, like I said, it can be, you know, one tenth of the price if you get excellent engagement rates. And I think that's what we're talking about is getting those engagement
0: rates. And again, I'm, I'm the creative, right? So we don't do anything past the produce the video and hand it off to either the marketing agency or the client who does it in-house. So everything that you're talking about, I've heard my clients say all of that. I'm just not, you know, I, I'm not the guy to get under the, the hood and talk about those kinds of numbers. But I do remember my client, Truer, saying that they used to get a 1% click-through rate and now they get a 2% click-through rate, essentially doubling their budget.
2: Man, those it seems like a small number, right, when you say like 1% or 2%, but you got to figure most of the ads that are running on Facebook, their engagement or their click-through rate is probably less than half a percent, right? And if you go from 1% to 2% at the top of the funnel and everything else stays static all the way down the rest of the funnel, then you doubled your income. And not only that, you haven't spent any more on ads, so you've actually not doubled the... You haven't just doubled the revenue, but you've doubled the profit.
0: Sounds good to me. That <laughs> sounds good to me too. So let's get into it. What's step one? Okay, so step one is, is the most boring part. It's doing your research. Before you do anything, Marketing 101, you've got to understand who is this message for? The deeper you can go with that question, the better. So, I have customers that come to me and say, okay, well, my customer is, you know, women 18 to 60 who live in America. Well, that's nice, but that's not really going to get my writers to have a picture on their wall of exactly who they're writing for. So the closer you can get to who your target demographic is, the better. We had a client that recently sent us pages and like a Book of their customer avatar. It included pictures of what she looks like, what, what she dresses like, what her cup of coffee at Starbucks is, what radio station she listens to on her way to work. I mean, all of this granular information helps you really create your customer profile that you're talking to. And then you can much more accurately describe what are her pain points, what are the things that she's interested in, not just surface level, but the why behind the features and benefits that you sell. You you, you know you could be selling a widget, but that's really not what you're selling. You're selling the fact that because of that widget, that person has freedom to go bowling or whatever their passion is. That was a really bad example. But you understand, we're, trying, we're selling the underlying whys, not just the surface features. And benefits, and the closer you can get to discovering who that customer is, what their problems are. So, a lot of people will say to me, I don't know where to start. And I'll tell them the first place to start is read what your customers are already writing. A big comment that we get on our Facebook posts or or on our Facebook videos and, you know, we get – I think we got 50,000 comments on a recent video, which was just bananas. And it gave us tons to read through and why are they liking this video? Why are they sharing this video? Uh, And then we pull out things that they say and we literally let our customers write our scripts or at least portions of our scripts, which is why people say things like, I loved your video. It spoke to me. It felt like me or it felt like somebody that I'd want to be friends with and they have the same problems. And so guess what? When you create that relationship and then that person says, I also have the solution, they're way more likely to listen and, and to engage and to ultimately, you know, click into your funnel. If they feel like they've been led there by a friend and the closest thing to the best marketing tool in the universe, which is an unbiased friend's recommendation of a product or a service, closest thing to that is what we're talking about, creating those surrogate, you know, customer profile representatives that become our brand characters. So go through a whole bunch of reviews if you don't have them yourself. Go to your competitors. Read, find out who is it that you're trying to speak to, and then you know you can create marketing copy points based on that. So all of this is diagrammed in in our free ebook uh, that you can download at funnysalesvideos.com. But that's step one: is is learn as much as you can about your customer. Do, do you have a question about that?
2: No, go ahead. Uh, we talk about customer avatars on the show a lot, so I think I think people have that one.
0: I'm sure. Yeah. So step two is the fun step, brainstorm. Now, what I'm looking for in a brainstorm session, and I do this both physically with people that work for me and virtually with writers that don't physically work with me. But create a document and your goal is to come up with 50 random ideas. All you're looking for is who is the character of my video And what is their problem? And you want to come up with as many creative ways of answering those two questions. So, you know, it could be that you sell beef jerky and your character, and I'm just making this off the top of my head, your character is a vegan and her problem is that she's not getting enough protein in her diet. Okay, so silly example, but there's one come up with 49 more just off the top of your head. You're not looking for quality You're looking for quantity. And the worse the idea, sometimes the better. Because once you've got those 50 ideas down, then you start distilling it and you're looking for the five top ones. And some of the worst ideas could trigger a thought About something that will lead to a great idea. So don't filter, don't judge. Whoever's in the team with you, whether it's you alone, and I always say more heads are better than one. We learn on the TV show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire that you know ask the audience is always the best way to get the best answer. So the more people you can add to your brain share to to contribute to these ideas, the better. But then come up with you know your five top out of that and then really spend a little bit more time developing well why is this character got the problem and you know what what could the reason be that she discovers the solution and then really you just ultimately you're looking for your best answer your your best most creative concept That's still rooted in reality. That doesn't mean they have to be real. I mean, Squatty Potty showed that a fantasy pooping unicorn with a prince. (laughs) Right. There's nothing reality-based about that other than the problem is that the unicorn had a problem pooping. And that's the problem that Squatty Potty solves. So how can you come up with a fun, entertaining, visually grabbing, because most people will be watching your video with the sound off. They'll be scrolling right past it if it's not visually arresting. So what's more visually arresting than a magical, colorful, pooping unicorn? That's what you've got to find out. You've got to figure out what your unicorn could be. So, So after you've done that, and I can't really tell you how to pick the winner other than ask a lot of people especially people that are, look like your customer avatar, but come up with your, your top concept. Then we take it into step three, which is scripting. So scripting, I, I could spend hours on, but you're really looking for three phases of the script. Phase one is the marketing copy points, right? So back to step one of your research, what are the things that you have to communicate in order to get somebody into your sales funnel? I typically will say five selling points, Now, number one in a prioritized list of five is going to get mentioned maybe five times. Number five may be mentioned once. So it's not five equal points, but in about a three to four minute video, you can get across about five points and you're going to hammer your top point over and over again. Then once you've got your marketing copy, you also want to say, well, what are some objections? What are some reasons why my customer won't click through to your funnel? Again, you're not looking to sell them in the video you're looking to get them to click into your funnel. And hopefully they'll come in, you know, as a hot lead as opposed to cold traffic, because your video will have convinced them that at least this is worth going and exploring, learning more. We can talk about the offer in the minute, but you know, the, the most irresistible offer is gonna get the best conversion. But in the scripting, you wanna you wanna talk about why, if it's a big enough problem, Should I tackle why you should buy and and why people don't buy? So if price is an issue, tackle it head on. Can you buy it cheaper? Absolutely. But then you'll spend X, Y, and Z that are going to make it so you're spending more money than if you had bought this in the first place. Here's five people that bought it and the average person says that it broke within the first – 30 days. I'm making all of this off the top of my head, but only if it's a big enough reason that, you know, more than 50% would have that concern because an unresolved doubt will never get over itself unless you help them to get over that fence. So, So then you want to go into your story scripting. So I typically have three teams of writers, the marketing copywriters, then a storyteller. So that could be a creative writer that's going to take the copy points Add it to the character and the problem that we established in the brainstorm and write a story around it. Now, it's not funny yet, but it is a story that's entertaining. Then the third step is to go into the punch-ups. So I have a whole bunch of comedians that work for me. And that's, that's actually step four is add the comedy. And the more comedians you can get on your team, the better. Now, a lot of people will say, I don't know any comedians. This is an easy problem to solve. Go down to your local comedy club, sit and listen and wait until you hear somebody that you think's really good. Approach them and say, hey, would you like to come work for me? You'd be amazed at how starving artists, you know, how much of a starving artist a lot of these comedians are. And also they travel from gig to gig. So a lot of the times they're traveling during the day. They'd love nothing more than to, you know, spend that time making money, punching up your scripts. Now, what if you don't have a comedy club in your town? You said you're in Nova Scotia. I don't know how, many, how close you are to a comedy club, but if somebody said that...
2: <laughs> Not close at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, well, you are close to a computer keyboard, and you can type in fiverr.com, or you can type in Upwork, or you can type in... There's many online places, marketplaces for creative writers. So just, just look through... And, and I'll typically, you know, audition at least two or three every time I have a new project. So I typically have about five or six comedy writers on every project. And then I'll, I'll test some other people to see if they're funny or not. And I'll, I'll warn you, it takes a long time to find the really good ones. And so you have to ask for examples of their works, look at the stuff that they've done and then see if, you know, the stuff that they do for you is as good as the best stuff, because they're always going to put the best stuff up on their portfolio. But you'd be amazed at how how inexpensive it, these writers will work for you. You know, just say to them, give me, give me an hour of punch-ups. Here's a script. What can you do with an hour? And what's your hourly rate? You know, a lot of these comedians, you know, less than a hundred bucks an hour. So that's, that's the next step. Now, on comedy, I'll say a couple of words, and, and feel free to disagree with me. But clean humor... Is And ultimately will be more profitable than going with gutter humor, R-rated comedy. They're not going to allow you to even put that on Facebook. They'll ban it. They'll flag it. Yeah, you can do a bleeped version for Facebook and then put another version on your website. That's fine. I just think that it's, it, it takes more skill to do it in a family-friendly way and it's safer for for most brands and that's just that th- there, there's my sermon on you know keep the comedy clean so that you can use it as many places as possible and frankly offend the f- the fewest people as well now I always want to push my videos. My videos aren't, you know, they're not safe in, the t- in terms of we'll definitely hit on, you know, sometimes politically incorrect things or things that, you know, are shocking. But, but in a way that's never going to get me into trouble on Facebook or other platforms because the last thing you want to do is go out and spend all of this time and money and then have a video that Facebook puts the big rubber stamp, you know, disapproved on.
2: Yeah, I think you want to be you want to kind of keep it to like surprising but not like South Park surprising. Yes. Not Rick and Morty surprising, but a little little more like evening television comedy surprising.
0: Yes. Yeah. That that that's that's a good that's a good analogy. So step five, a lot of people say, okay, so I can come up with the script. You've given me some tips. I can go do that. I have some people that are good at writing. I can go find some comedians. Step five is the production. Now, you know, I'll, I'll get on my soapbox for a second. The biggest thing that's going to stop people from scrolling is something that looks like nothing else on their timeline. And really the only way to do that, with a few exceptions is to make it look like nothing else on their timeline from a production point of view. You can immediately tell when something's been filmed with an iPhone. You can immediately tell when something's been filmed by, you know, a crew of professionals with professional lighting. The camera really is the last thing. It's the lighting. It's the composition. It's what's in the frame. It's the, it's the art directing. It's, you know, it, it's the wardrobe. It's the makeup. All of those things. Yes, the camera is important, but it's probably, one of the least importance but but getting a professional that knows how to craft great looking images that is worth you know but if you're you know if you're shoestringing the budget i will tell you the 20 years ago i would have died to have had what's in your pocket right now your iphone makes amazing images if you know how to do it. So at very least, go on YouTube and look up, you know, how to, how to good, get good composition, how to get good lighting, even if it's only using available light. There's a huge difference between somebody who's sitting in front of a window, beautifully lit with a sheer curtain in front, and somebody whose backs to the window is completely black. You know, the world of, of COVID has taught most people how to set up a fairly decent Zoom cam, but you want to use as many tools as you can to grab my attention. So whether you do it on your own or whether you hire a professional company, think about how you would produce something that looks different than anything else that they're going to see on their feed. So then part of production, and to me the most important part of these kinds of videos, is pre-production and selecting the right actor or actress or you know, multiple actors for your video, if if you nickel and dime everything else, but put a good amount of money into the script and hiring the right actors, to me, those are the two most important parts. And that's coming from somebody who's, you know, basically paid his mortgage for the past 20 years, telling people to produce highly professional videos with film crews. That isn't the most important part. It's the script and your actor. Now, if you can afford everything, go ahead, but you've got to make sure you pick the right actor, and here's how we do it. First of all, realize that auditioning actors costs you nothing, absolutely nothing. So why wouldn't you go down to a local audition uh Talent agency in a smaller town, you're probably going to have to go find the nearest big town that has one, and you'll probably have to budget travel for that person to come in. But before you even think about that, ask that talent agency to send you as many good, solid auditions from people who will do their auditions from home. So especially in the world of COVID, every actor that's worth their salt already has a room in their house where they have a good camera and good microphone, and they will audition for you from home. They'll send it, send it to the agency, and then the agency will send you a link, normally with Dropbox or Google Files. I actually literally did that this morning. I spent about an hour going through about 30 auditions. Now, we normally will look at about a hundred actors on different websites we'll select them, put them in our cart, so to speak, and then contact those agencies and say, "I want auditions from these people." Now some agencies you know they 'll also just do an open casting where you just say i i don 't know who i 'm looking for, but here 's the script. Can you give me recommendations?" And this morning, I'll I'll use that example, I got 30 auditions and probably 10 of them were good enough to pass through to my client to say, which one do we want? Now we don't leave it at that because the last thing you wanna do is get on set and realize that that person who was very comfortable in their bedroom feels very shy and awkward in front of a, a film crew. So what we will typically do is once we've picked our top three or four, We'll invite them into our studio, or you could invite them into your office, your conference room, and you want to have a camera there. doesn't matter if it's an iPhone or a red camera, and you basically have them do it again. Audition for me in person. You don't want to waste all ten, ti- all 10 people's time. Pick your top three or four, and then what you want to do is you want to have – know the script and ask them, okay, I loved it. Can you do it faster? and then have them respond. Okay, love that. Can you put the emphasis on these words and make this sentence feel like the most important sentence of that paragraph? Okay, now can you do it a little slower? And what you're really looking for is not how do, how do they do, although that's important. You're looking for can they take direction? You're looking for can they really sell you On the script, you know, are are you feeling like this is a persuasive person? They've got to have the timing and they've got to have the energy, but they've also got to be persuasive. So that's, that's, again, I could spend forever on this, but that's the biggest, most important part of the production is pick the right actors that are going to feel as close to that customer avatar as possible, unless you're going with a fan, you know, a fantastic character, like we talked about with the pooping unicorn. Any questions before I go on to, to step six?
2: No, I think it's pretty clear so far. And, and, we can kind of bring up some questions at the end because I know we only got a couple more steps to go through.
0: Yeah, so step six, this is where a a project is either catapulted to success or relegated to ruin, and that's editing. You've heard with comedy, it's all about timing. And so having an editor who knows timing is critical. And again, if you don't have one, Fiverr great place to go you 'd be amazed how many great editors are, are looking to work you know in their evening time from their basement and maybe they work at you know some great huge agency during the day, so find an editor who understands timing. The same joke delivered by the same actor can be edited to feel long and boring or short and snappy. And having a really good editor who understands that is worth their weight in gold. So oftentimes we will speed up everything in the edit. Meaning, back to my original statement, people don't turn off a video because it's long. They turn it off because it's boring. And the only way a video can be boring is if you give them time to get bored. If you watch our videos, a lot of us dialogue is almost overlapping. I don't let my actresses finish this, their, their sentences without immediately bringing in the next one. And I'll sometimes overcut them and, and you know, speed this up and take out this breath. And if, if one sentence seems too long, cut from a wide shot to a close-up. If you've filmed in 4K or 6K or 8K, you have the luxury of being able to do that. So... Make your video so fast without being too fast and you can overwhelm people and confuse people. And again, the goal of the video isn't to be entertaining. It's to make a sale. And you can't make a sale if people don't understand the points that you're trying to make. But as long as it's still clippy enough that it keeps their attention And delivers the information that's that's the magic you know balancing point but look for ways to make your video very very compelling and not let people get bored back in the days of my infomercials we would spend lots of money getting these one-way mirror focus groups so we'd get 20 people into a room we'd show them the infomercial and each one had a dial that was on a, a happy face or a sad face. It couldn't, it it had to be on one or the other the whole time. And we learned so much about where people were getting bored, where people were getting confused, where people, you know, just kind of said that they'd have enough. And so when we're editing our videos here, I imagine that person sitting on their couch with their remote control about to switch the infomercial off because there's no reason that they're watching other than either they're entertained or they're interested in the product. And so make make that mental note. Think about that person. Where are they getting bored? A great place to see data after you've done a test is, and you know more about this than I, but the retention curve will show you on any video where you're losing people, where they're bouncing. And oftentimes, if you scrub to that point, you'll find something that you can delete from the video or you'll find something that you can speed up or or you know, again, find a way to add graphics or something. And that leads to my seven. Yeah, you can see,
2: well, I was going to say, you can see a drop off, right? When you look at your analytics, it'll be like people started watching and then there's like a cliff. Exactly. And you're like, okay, that's the point that I need to fix. Yes. And then when you, you upload that one and then you find out where the next cliff is and then you kind of edit that point and, uh, You know, one thing that's interesting about editing, and somebody on the show said it kind of way back in season one of the show, they had said, if you want to learn how to edit an interesting online video to watch the Gangnam style video, (laughs) the first YouTube video to get a billion views. Yep. Because no cut in there lasts for more than about three seconds, right? It's very fast, very cut, you know, it's cut heavy, right? And there's a lot of like zoom in, zoom out. And, you know, I I kind of, obviously you don't need to edit it the same as a K-pop video, but you want to have that sort of speed of change.
0: Right. Yeah, the principle is the same. Totally. Now, on editing, we also, with most of our clients where budget will allow, we produce three totally different opening hooks. The first five to 10 seconds of your video is the most important because if they don't watch that, they're not going to see anything that comes after that. So if you've got some huge special effect that costs, and actually I do know a company that did this, that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to pull off this stunt and it's at the 32nd point, most of your audience isn't going to see it. So put it right at the front. And so what we do is we try to put our most creative visual, you know, gags, tricks, jokes, whatever it is, right up at the front. And then we'll write three different versions of that. So it's the exact same video with the exception of the first five to ten seconds. We call it the opening hook. The attention grabber is what we called it in the infomercial days. And then you can do a test on that with a small budget and see which one performs the best before you dump you know, the lion's share of your budget onto any one of those videos. We also edit three different offers. So we actually have nine versions of each of our video campaigns. We have more than that because we do sh- shorter versions as well. But for the hero full-length version, we'll do three different opening hooks and we'll do three different calls to action. So one could be, you know, buy one, get one free. One could be get twenty-five percent off, one could be get us this free ebook download. And you'll test those to see which one performs the best. And that just gives your digital marketing team all of these great resources to not just gamble on one video that you think's the best. No one person is going to give you the best answers as as can be given by the crowd. So that's, that. I mean, that's step seven is testing. You never want to base anything on your own bias. You start with that, But then you go out and test. So really, during every step that I've gone through so far, you should be testing. You should be testing your brainstorms. We already talked about that. Once you got those 50, try to bring in your customer avatar to say, which ones do you like and why? During the scripting, bring in your customer avatars to say, do you get it? Is there anything unclear? Do you like it? Would you respond to that? Is there anything else that we could do to make it better? Bring your customer avatars in on the jokes. There's a huge difference between, you know, let's say I'm, I'm making a video for an acne cream for teenagers and I'm creating a video for a reverse mortgage for the old age pensioners. Totally different kinds of jokes. And so why would I keep the same team of comedians and listen to their opinions right. when, when it's not their opinions that count? With the, with the production, If you're picking the actor and you think this is the one, before you do that, show a few different auditions to some customer avatars. You want to create kind of an inner circle of your best customers and get their feedback. Maybe, you know, give them something for doing that. Give them free product. Give them, you know, pay them whatever it takes. Some will just do it because they feel like it's kind of cool there in in the inner circle on an unreleased video. You'd be amazed at what people in your tribe that like you will do for you. So you want to, obviously, this gets into your world, test a ton of different thumbnails and copy points. You know, it's not just the video. When somebody sees you on Facebook or Instagram, they're looking at the copy points. They're looking at the headline. They're looking at the thumbnail. So you want to test all of that to make sure that you've got the most optimized campaign before you go into full launch. And we've already talked about that retention curve, how you can spend a small budget to get enough data. And then step eight is really simple. It's forget going viral. Even though that's the name of my podcast, How to Make a Video Go Viral, every episode of my podcast starts by saying, we fully admit that our title is clickbait. And the real goal isn't to make a video go organically viral. It's to get it to look like it went viral with that many views because every time you run it and you see a positive return on ad spend, you're going to continue spending more money to get more views because that really means there's more sales. And so, yes, you will get with a really good video – You'll get five to ten percent organic reach. You will, just like you said earlier, that will help with the lower cost of, of the clicks. You know, we typically get about a fifty percent share to comment ratio, which is right. You know, that, that's really what you're looking for. We consistently get it, and that will only come if you have good, compelling content. So forget, you know, the flash in the pan, lightning in the bottle, viral video and try to use these concepts and then fuel it with ad dollars.
2: Yeah, I like the idea of not necessarily trying to create the viral video versus making it look to the end consumer like your video has been viral, right? It's that social proof idea. If there's lots of comments and likes and all that kind of stuff on there, lots of views.
0: Yeah, we'll start out or our clients will start out running it as a views optimized campaign just to get some social proof before they flip over to full blown, you know, sales conversion campaigns.
2: Yeah. And you could run ads as video view campaigns before you uh, bring them into conversions. So there's also, you know, you could put Those ad videos and stuff like on your website, there's there's other ways that you can also drive up that view count. And I don't want to I don't want to go too long here because, I mean, yeah, it's super interesting. But we, you know, in the podcast world, people get scared off by the number sometimes before they even start listening to the video. But hopefully our title is going to drag people in. So that then they can find out that they do want to be entertained for the full length. Of the time. <laughs> well, it's the, same, it's the same principle we use in our ads, right? I know. I wish that the podcast world had those, those metrics that you get for videos, right? So there's there's a lot to cover there and i think you know if if we just run down it once quick it's customer avatar research brainstorm 50 ideas five points for scripting clearing people's objections and stuff adding comedies number four video production pre-production you've got editing you got testing and you got forget going viral
0: yep sounds about right that's right
2: step nine take good notes (laughs) (laughs)
0: Step step nine, subscribe to my podcast for more information. That's right.
2: And the podcast is how to make a video go viral. Yeah. And uh, and, uh, I assume it's on all the uh, podcast players, right?
0: It is. And what we try to do, about half of them is, you know, me and the owner of another digital agency that does more what you do, talking about the back end. And then what we also do is we bring in guests, either our clients that have done this. So, you know, we did an episode with Ryan at True Earth talking about that. We did an episode with that pain relief device that I told you. But then we've reached out to other companies that we haven't worked with. A recent episode, in fact, I think it was two episodes ago, we did the guy from the Dollar Beard Club. I don't know if you saw that. He basically copied Dollar Shave Club's model and has, I think, I think it did $25 million in sales from these videos and, you know, just got some great results. And so, you know, I'm selfishly learning from what, what did they do? What did they do differently? How was, is, how is their approach different to mine? And his was really interesting. He really talked more about getting real people to do it. So if you're the founder of the company, you should be the spokesperson. And I think for the right person, that is absolutely a, a double whammy because it's not only you know a genuine person talking but they also have more information and more knowledge and more passion i just haven't found many companies with ceos that have that kind of chutzpah
2: that's right you know you have that old thing from the 80s the i'm not just the president of hair club for men (laughs) right
0: i'm also a client yeah victor kayam i think that was yeah.
2: And talking about infomercials, I can't remember the gentleman's name off the top of my head, but he, he called himself the, the grandfather of infomercials. I used to live next to the original solo flex headquarters. Oh wow. In in, in Oregon, yeah. And his, his daughter and his wife ran a restaurant nearby and we used to go and chat with him all the time and he would talk about how he originally started buying up all this unused airtime and, and making commercials and they were hammering together solo flexes in his garage but yeah it was super interesting so also i want to give a shout out to your website too if people want to get some more information it's funny sales slash
0: speaking no actually just just funny sales videos.com is is all right the best place to go and then how to make a video go viral.com if they want to go there that'll lead them to all the podcasts
2: Perfect. And we'll put both those in the show notes. You can get your show notes at hookseo.com slash podcast, or they will be below your podcast player where you're listening to us right now. Just hit that little down arrow and that's what's inside. There's the links that you want to click on so you can get more info. I think we got some great steps for people. I think this is really going to help people, if not make their own videos, at least think about what is the process involved and you know if they should get a professional like you involved in that process. And Joseph, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today.
0: You bet. Thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure.
1: This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business.